0: Hi, I'm Laurie. Hi, I'm Phil. Welcome back to Flicks and Film with Laurie and Phil. We are, well, we're going through a bit of a sweet Phil. We, we, we think we have a mini sort of quickfire movie marathon today, right? Yeah, a bit of a buffet, something you could uh, a little sample of uh, some sausage
1: rolls, maybe a few slices of st- cucumber, whatever you fancy on a buffet, there's probably going to be something there for you. Always straight to the food metaphors with you, Phil. I just think
0: they're the most And Have you app, not had
1: lunch yet? They're the most app, uh, you know, for, for what we're talking about. It's the, the variety in, and delicacies in equal measure.
0: But I think actually this is kind of an encouraging thing because we're outpacing ourselves. We're watching too many things and we're not being able to talk about them fast enough. I've seen Ted Lasso on Apple TV. You've got something else to talk about on Apple, haven't you, Phil? Yes, Defending
1: Jacob, Chris Evans' adaption, uh, adaptation of a uh, thriller, a crime thriller, um, also, I've been in the world of audiobooks again, and I've got another recommendation on that front. Uh, and I've also got a bit of a rabbit hole that I think you should check out uh, if oh, you're really? a tool like me. Yeah, something to get lost in and, and waste countless hours on. As, as I have No, I think
0: there's too much because you need to do your kids' TV shows thing and we need to discuss contentious opinions on Shadow and Bone that I covered last week. There's too much to do. I want to talk about Mass Effect the Legendary Edition which just uh, was released last week too. That's why I mean have buffets, to edit on the fly again. It's little
1: bits, little bits. <laughs> and it'll, it'll, You just see what fills your plate. That's the that's
0: the kind of thing. You're going to have to accept that metaphor as is I'm afraid, <laughs> listeners.
1: I, I think we should also acknowledge the fact that neither of us are particularly well. You can probably hear in my voice Lester and Laurie's but um, both
0: of us have got throaty, uh, tickly thingies going on. I think. Well, we're su- we're such seasoned professionals, Phil. You would never know. <laughs> you would <without>, never know. <laughs> um... Telling it. you know, do you I remember listening to Radio 2. Simon Mayo used to get ill quite a lot. Of all the DJs, I think he was the illest. Um, because he'd often, <laughs> like, he'd often come on the... <laughs> I wonder whether it would. He often used to be on the radio and he'd say, oh, we've got a new song. Or what was it he used to say? Dr. Mosh is coming up later and Confessions. And then whoever it was, his uh, in-studio guests would come in and say, you can't see this at home, but Simon <laughs> is really holding it together. He's more ill than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> he used to say this regularly. Poor man. Injecting in LemSnip into his veins, just trying to keep. Yeah, going. something like that, Donald Trump style. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's not, it's a little bit hysterical, hysterical though Yeah. Thought. Mm, yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll we'll dive in. Um, we'll start. Well, should we start with the contentious things? Because Shadow and Bone, we got quite an angry response from someone in some ways, or at least when I read it, I thought it was kind of angry. You can be my sort of translator, Phil. Should we dive in with that? Yes, let's
1: get going. All aboard the choo-choo train to the
0: buffet. Yeah, load up your plate. Don't miss out on the champagne. wow champagne (laughs) what are we (laughs) we in a ferrero roche commercial it just it came with a roommate suddenly got very classy (laughs) right so just a couple of things to to catch up on if you remember last week i uh read out an email from david samuel who had pointed phil and i in the direction of shadow and bone now phil i think lost confidence in it or was kind of in the middle of starting it and was losing confidence in it, I saw all of it and gave my uh, quite forthright opinions <laughs> as is my way on this show. Phil, do you want to update us anything? Because David Samuel has sent us a response, which we need to read in full. Should I do him first, or do you want to give your thoughts first? Well, I, I, confession
1: time. I was sort of intrigued, but I just couldn't stomach it. I found the whole, uh, what's the word, veneer of the show a bit too uh, try-hard. And so I instead resorted to... Um, there's a, there's a particular YouTube channel called Man of Recaps where he talks very fast and basically really? recaps entire shows. And so I got the entire season as a recap uh, from this well, man. Well, it's
0: interesting you did that rather than go to Wikipedia, which would be my go-to.
1: Well, I, just, I, just, I didn't want to keep track of all the names. I wanted to have the pictures flash up alongside. So okay. rather than having to deal with like the Rosh of Bada, it's instead just, oh, that's uh, Ben Barnes or whatever his name is.
0: Yeah, yeah. It almost makes you wonder, that kind of thing, whether studios and uh, intellectual property holders are going to need to introduce a new law against recaps specifically <laughs> because you can't claim that it's copyright infringement, really, because they're kind of putting their own spin on it. But, you know, why bother watching the actual thing <laughs> when you can watch a recap with a slideshow? Um <laughs> All right, well, tell us your impressions of that slideshow and then we'll get on to David Samuel's rebuttal. Uh I, I kind of think
1: I could imagine if you can get past the... uh the here's my own little world and welcome to this new world and learning all the terminology of this law as you so hate the term if you can get into the law I think it probably is quite a good story um but it it does sort of hit all the beats of a YA novel you can tell it's a a YA uh property um I'm quite glad I didn't invest all the time uh watching all but I probably would watch the recap of season two if they make it. So, so make that it that
0: Well, I read up the showrunner who's interesting. You're right. Like it did kind of happen through a Twitter exchange. Um, the, the cliffhanger ending that they claim for the final episode. He said, oh, it's me daring Netflix to cancel us. Um, it's what he's quoted as <laughs> saying. It's a, That's a bold strategy. It seems quite strange. Out. Netflix would be like, all right. They they
1: literally (laughs) cancelled like Daredevil, like a huge success. Cancelled, gone. Like I don't think they care about cancelling anything. They just want the new subscribers, don't they?
0: They got the money and the power, mate. Okay, well let's let's hear David Samuel's response. Uh, He says minus one exclamation mark. (laughs) Well, maybe minus a half. Whilst I found myself having to nod along to uh, essentially all of your observations, I think you revealed yourself to be predisposed against the story because of the admittedly frustrating character trope of a bland leading super special one who provides a void for you to insert yourself into the story. Uh, d- uh, yeah, I do agree with that, David. I don't know that I necessarily, it's Alina Stark, obviously the character you're talking about. I don't necessarily, she what didn't seem a self insert to me. I didn't put myself in her situation, but it is that kind of character that, you know, it's not quite a Mary Sue because she certainly goes through a lot of problems, but anyway, okay, let's carry on. Um, David continues, I felt that they got going with the story rather quickly in that they did not have a long prologue to find the parameters, the parties involved or how everything connects. They start sort of in the middle and get you to work out certain things as you go. Some of the dots you need to connect are too far apart, i.e. where in the world is the Crow Club? Who's fighting who? Where's the little palace? That's a good point. Um, If it were a book, oh, wait, it is, he says sarcastically. (laughs) There would be a world map you could refer to to keep those things in mind. That is what my partner did. Well, look, I mean, uh, big props to your partner for doing that. It's very diligent, and I bet that did actually improve the experience. But in a slightly lame way, I just feel that if you need to dig around in the background to get your head around it, then it hasn't done its job as a series. Do you agree with me on that one, Phil?
1: Yeah, I think think it's a fair point, though. Um, This is why, incidentally, Game of Thrones... Was a master stroke. Their opening was a master stroke because every episode, true. it showed you a map and it said, "Oh, this is that place, and here's that one thing, the one feature that you can remember from last episode about what this place was. You know, here's that weird tree with a face on it, or oh, yeah, this is well a bit right in the hot place. That it was such a clever idea because every episode, it's like, oh, they're up there, That's they're down it, yeah. here, and I, I think that was a big part of why I wasn't that fussed about. I, I just found myself kind of detaching almost because i was like where are they are they in some weird are they in the shadow place is that why it's so dark all the time i, I just yeah i didn't know well, geographically where everything
0: was and there's two halves of Ravka, but I didn't know whether the halves of Ravka were really friends or not really friends. <laughs> or whether the, the army was sort of on you're... one
1: side or the other. Like, I didn't know. Yeah.
0: You're dead right about Game of Thrones, though, because they, they trick you into it as well. You don't realise you're getting kind of geographical exposition because they have the cool like animations, like it's all clockwork or something. Um, but sorry, we're, we're rambling in the middle of David's email. Um, <laughs> he carries on. I would say that anything that can get you to invest in the world, like wanting to know more about what the Grisha... Which he considers to be a very bad name can do or how the different parties are going to come together or get around various obstacles has something going for it. It has Phil's thing of multiple parties being invested in getting the same MacGuffin for different reasons. Yeah, that's a staple, a classic of this kind of it's um, the, the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it?
1: That's kind of the uh, yeah.
0: classic example. That is a lot of fun, actually, because it, it, there are plenty of room for surprises. Uh, The difficulty I can see for a Netflix adaptation of a book series is there's often no guarantee it'll be picked up for future releases, as we were just discussing. This means finding a way to make something popular enough and satisfying enough to the fans to have a reasonably complete story while leaving enough threads open for people to want more and for things to continue. Um, Yeah, I think it is tough, although uh, other people would disagree and say that because you've got all this material just lying around waiting to be made, um, it's kind of a bit easier. Because as long as you don't answer some questions, the fans of the books at the very least will be saying, hurry up, come on. Make more, unless you do such a rubbish job with it. Say, so please leave it alone and remake it. Which <laughs> does did, also happen. With The Last Airbender, that was the uh, the big one. That's yeah. right, yeah. Um and he's got another thing here a sub spoilerly point yeah we won't spoil it just because um just in case someone hasn't seen Shadow and he makes a point about Ben Barnes and how he believes he is following a, a career path I said I was really pleased to see him because I thought his career you know his star was falling rather than rising but David uh, says no he just thinks he's finding a niche and he recalls his role in the Punisher series which actually I haven't seen on Netflix I don't know if you've seen Punisher Phil uh,
1: no I I saw him in the original Daredevil. Um, John Berenthal, I think is the actor Uh, I haven't watched the I kind of dropped off with the Marvel shows um, partly because they got cancelled so there you go it's all come full circle but that's a uh, good thoughts there David
0: Samuel thanks for emailing me yeah very well made case and I want to say you know read that out right at the beginning of the show because we do love to get your emails uh, and tweets and all those sorts of things and also your responses to are reading out of your emails uh, and everything else it's all about the you know the conversation so get them sent in flicks and film at gmail.com at flicksandfilm and film on twitter uh, and in that vein let me just run through a couple of the things we have received so keep saying we like everything we've got a backlog of everything we've got a backlog of uh emails um so we have Sam here who says uh bros, I was the one who told Phil about dark, and I did have the experience of having to wait for future seasons to come out. That was horrible. So glad you're back on the podcast airwaves. So there you go. And that's we're looking all the way back to when we covered Dark. We weren't sure who to recommend it to us. It was Sam. And he had to wait for future series. That was one of my big reasons for why you should get stuck in. Because all of it's right there. You don't have to wait. I would have hated having to wait.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't. It w- It's Yeah, that would have been, especially in the first two seasons, it would have been really, really tricky and not fun. Yeah, You need it, 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 that show is bingeable to a T. Uh, that is the the hook of it. You just, oh, one more, one more, one more. Because little tiny breadcrumbs of revelation. But yes, credit to you, Sam. Apologies. I couldn't remember where it was, but I've recommended it to a couple of people now. And, uh, oh, me too. And I had the satisfaction
0: of a couple of friends saying, "Oh, we watched uh, took one of your recommendations on board the other day, and we we're watching this show called Dark." Uh, is that that particular one is Gold Dust? Recommend it to a friend today and get the results.
1: Well, i I just following up because we are kind of cleaning house a little bit. You finished it now. I remember when you talked about it on the podcast, Dark. You hadn't watched season three. I think you were kind of midway through yes. season two. I I, I don't want to spoil it for those who I I do no. think overall it's a good show. I think season three, some people let down, some people it didn't quite reach the same point. You very
0: artfully and cleverly, not spoiling anything said, um, because it's the final season, it has to wrap things up. And almost by the very fact of that, it's a different experience to watch. But you thought it ultimately is satisfying. And I agree with you. I think especially the kind of final two scenes or whatever it is, are pretty good. And and pretty, you know, they, they feel like closure. Or a series that opens up a lot of doors and asks a lot of questions. Um, so I I did I liked it by the end. It is quite a different tone. Um, and it becomes harder to follow, but not not in the enjoyable way of the first two seasons, where it's a bit like there are so many mysteries. This one it's just it's actually hard to follow. Yeah. Um, it's because and the first even, two even you're the making, to stitch everything up. Yeah. The
1: first two you're making connections because they're giving you these little clues and you're saying, Oh, that person's linked to this person that's oh, okay. Um but later on, by by design, they have to sort of just drop you in the deep end in order for that for that season to work as television, I think. Um but yeah, you can't play detective in the same way. Um, no,
0: and it do, it ended for me anyway at an unexpected point, which was great, and so it really does follow all the way through to deliver a stellar finish. I thought good show. Um, have we got? Uh, we'll keep going just to cover more messages from the vaccinator. This is nice. A, a new code named uh, correspondent. Thank you very much. You can of course choose whichever name you wish. Uh, as you get in touch with us or uh, film at gmail.com. Uh, they say, on your recommendation, I watched both films, the Infernal, Aff- uh, the Infernal Affairs, Infernal Affairs versus The Department, on the same day. Oh, the Department. <laughs> Good work. The Departed. Department, did I say? <laughs> departed. You, you <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, the Department is a whole well. different movie. <laughs> yes, that's true. Okay, Infernal Affairs versus The Departed, which you still haven't given me the DVD for, so I'm yet to watch. Oh, yeah. And, sorry, sorry. Come on, hurry it up. Uh, The Vaccinator watched both on the same day. That's commitment. And they say they were very glad to have watched The Departed first, or else I might have missed some of the enigmatic plot markers in Infernal Affairs, which was scripted very sparsely in places. Having said that, The Departed had more character development, but much more explicit violence. Altogether, I can't say I enjoyed either film, although I thought the use of Morse code was more ingenious than texting from a pocket. Uh, I'd like to award plus one root. Plus one root? Four two, probably that's a typo, uh, or what a, a phone message typo, to each of you since both films have advantages and limitations. So I can't quite tell what they're saying uh, they felt about them there, but I'm certainly on board with Infernal Affairs being sparse. I think that was one of the things I love about it. It, it really is a less is more film that is nevertheless compelling for it. But um, what
1: as as I've always said, the Fraser yeah. Crane quote that you've told me many a time. I think about it all the time. <laughs> where he says, if less is more, then just imagine how much more, more much could be. More, more
0: wicked. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> Which <laughs> it is, really is brilliant. like that
1: is the departed to a T. You need to check it out. I will give you the well, DVD. Well, give me the DVD I and will, I, I, I can will. tell
0: the vaccine to what, what I think about their response. Thank you very much. And they also uh, have a couple more to say on Onward. Just watch this on Phil's recommendation. Happy to him plus one. Yeah. Heartwarming, heartwarming with good chemistry, just as described. And not too long either. And they finish off their message with um, P.S. You keep saying you want rom-coms. We talked about the rom-com sweet spot. They say, watch time after time or the map of tiny perfect things. And uh, they say they're frustrated at this point because they mentioned it a few, a few times. Um, okay, so that's David Samuel and The Vaccinator. We got we got to your emails. Uh, I do apologize that we we can't get to everything every week. Um, but do please send in yours, flixandfilm at gmail.com at flixandfilm on Twitter. We'll try and build emails in more regularly to each show. Um, the map of tiny perfect things, when I saw this from The Vaccinator, I did have a look the kind of trailer on Amazon Prime. And I just can't really bring myself down to watch it. So maybe you should do it, Phil. I will, Um, I will. It is
1: on my, like, to watch list. I'm going to, this is me shouting out slash calling out, more calling out. I really don't like the interface on Amazon Prime. I can't keep track of what I've selected. It's so annoying. They always do like a scrolling bar rather than just giving you the whole list. And it drives me insane. I don't keep track of it. So it, I put it on my list to watch and
0: I just, I never look there because I don't like using it. So I will go it's, out but and it. But it does it have some really good stuff, for Amazon Prime. I've been rediscovering it recently. Um, it Just to, for listeners who maybe haven't heard of this film before, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, is that what it's called? Um, It's a bit like Palm Springs with zero irony, as far as I can tell. So it's young people trapped in a time loop and an exploration of relationships in that context. And the way, it, it, the trailer anyway, tells there's a really hyper-meaningful thing. Uh, and I, I don't know. You just have to be in the right mood for that from my point of view. I w-
1: I'm going to check it out. I, I I feel positive that I will Good. watch it at some point in it. the near future. And then, <laughs> and
0: then tell me. what. And then the other one was Time After Time, which I think is another time-based um Maybe I'm getting the map of Tiny Perfect Things wrong. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, we'll look at them both. We'll look at them both. Um, I do apologize. We've not managed to get to it yet. Um, okay, no more emails to say, but Phil, on this subject, continue to round things up before we do your Apple TV recommendation. I finished Ted Lasso um, after your recommendation. Plus one? Uh, starring Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, I think I have to give you a plus one overall. Huzzah. Judith and I sat down and we watched many episodes back to back. Uh, watch it in Ultra HD, Phil. On your fancy television. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the amount I've heard about Apple this television. TV. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You've seen it now. It's, it's not that impressive, <laughs> is it? Um, but it is fun to watch. Um, I, I did enjoy it. I think Jason Sudeikis, it's a really good performance from him. Mm. Like it's really a much better performance than you think. And there are a couple of moments that made me laugh out loud. I think my overall feeling on it, and I kind of already said this to you in passing, is that I think... There isn't enough football in it. And it's easy to wave that away and say, well, that's not what it's about. But it's a film, it's a sitcom about someone coaching a football club mm. and a fish out of water in a football club. And I think you get what three scenes of them actually on the pitch in a 10-episode series. Mm. It's not enough for me. And when they do start filming the football, it's quite, it's quite cringy stuff. Um and it made me think, I wonder whether they were hampered by COVID or something in the production. I don't know. But possibly I, budgetary I as well, because they want to show yeah. it in a kind of certain way. Um, That's right. And and it's very sort of lush filmmaking. I realize everyone is incredibly well lit all the time. Like it's a kind of prestige um, hyper produced bit of film. Um, now, you kind of have to bite the bullet on a few cliches that you just have to accept to there. Like I thought, you know, Temple was uh, it was a really good performance from her actually as keely hawes is that the name she's one of the sort um, of uh wags of one of the footballers she's kind she? of she's more like a spice girl than anything else i thought Spice Girl, <laughs> but she really nails it and really embraces that role and she she's very likable but i think they got a little bit lazy with her character as the show went on she got more and more screen time and she became the wise person you know who's got all the answers and and everything else and i and I, she didn't annoy me by any means but i think they just started descending into feel good clichés a little bit mm. um and that slightly undermined some of the really good things about the show my favorite uh, we we agree with you completely that Nate who's that comedian i can't remember his name nick mohammed um, i believe it is he's he's just brilliant he's he's kind of him and coach beard they're kind of some of the best parts of the whole show um i re- like he he was making me laugh and i still don't know why i was laughing at him nick mohammed like there's a bit where they put a suggestion box around the team and he brings out a suggestion box which is painted pink and got like googly eyes on it and he just says oh my niece made it she loves she loves crafts <laughs> and Judith and i both both start laughing at that and i don't know why um but he was a real sort of surprise hit for me yeah um yeah, good show overall. And I thought the performance by Hannah Waddingham, who I confess I've not actually come across an awful lot, even though she's quite a big deal. She's in Les Mears, um, although actually looking at IMDb, she was in Les Mears as Factory Woman too. <laughs> so maybe that's maybe that's why. <laughs> I didn't realize she was still so, in so. Labour. <laughs> she <laughs> did. Knock her resume. Um, she's still No, got it I'm not. On I'm not. I just brought that out as a I really should have come across her before. Um she's in sex education, which is a big show on Netflix, I believe, isn't it? Yes, yeah, she is um, in sex education. She plays um yeah. the mum
1: of um the swimmer in that. Yes. I'm now l- Do- joined the doc. Doctors,
0: Game of yeah. Thrones. She's she's kind of a familiar face, but I think she's really incredibly well cast in this role because she walks that line. And between being a sympathetic character, a strong character and an annoying character kind of brilliantly. And in many ways, the show is more about her than it is about Ted Lasso, which I kind of liked, actually. And then the last thing to say, the joke that made me laugh the most was when they, uh, or maybe I shouldn't say it, but it's when they're talking about sending one of the players back on loan from Man City. And they say to Ted Lasso, that, oh, they're, t- they're going to cancel his loan. And he said, they're going to take his house. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that really made me laugh. I'll take his house, Um, (laughs) but it's a lot to do with today. Kiss anyway. I feel like that's quite a rambly start to today's show, but um, we just thought we'd catch up with all sorts of things. Is there anything else that we've missed, Phil? Anything I think else that, that you've was seen, a, that I've recommended. You know? That was a
1: very good little roundup of uh, lots of little leftover threads, and actually yes. it segues really nicely into defending Jacob. Some of the things you said about Ted Lasso,
0: I'm going to launch into. Uh, but I don't know. Do you want to just like do this free? Yeah, no, got it no jingle it, jingle. We got a jingle. jingle. No, I think that, that's, a, that's a good end to a section. No more wrapping up. Time for something new.
1: So back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> Defending Jacob is another Apple TV show. Uh, as I said, I got a free uh, year of it with my phone purchase maybe you did too lots of people i've been really online just sort of said oh i haven't bothered with any of this but there's some good stuff on there and that's why i'm, I'm sort of pointing out some of the things that i have eventually got round to using and watching and things like that um ted lasso being one of them defending jacob i'm not gonna spend ages talking about it but it stars chris evans um it's about a father whose son is accused of murdering one of his classmates and oh uh, the process they go through as parents to try and process that, and also defend him. Oh, and also he happens to be uh, the district attorney, so he oh was the one goodness. investigating the murder. District
0: Are there any characters that are just good guys who play district attorneys? <laughs> I, I, I think Chris Evans seem that way.
1: Chris Evans is a good guy, and he okay. can't. He, he's almost too good. And I'm going to get onto it in a second. Should we play All a right. trailer for defending Jacob? We are sailing towards an iceberg little white peak in the distance getting closer and closer but really it's been underneath us the whole time there's nothing worse than a kid
0: we have some bad news on the case the print we lifted from the victim is from your son
1: there's got to be an explanation they go to the
0: same school jacob's in his class yes we know that lynn have you arrested my son Before we begin, I want to make something clear. A kid your age charged with first-degree murder is tried as an adult. I swear, I didn't do it. We believe you. You have admitted to being in the park, and a fellow student alleges you had a knife you would bring to school. I guess so. They're saying he looks smug and remorseless. This is going to follow him around for the rest of his life. It's a mistake. We're going to figure it out. Do you have any doubts about Jacob's innocence? No, of course not. Where is the knife now? So you've been lying to me? I did what any parent would have done. can't leave his fate up to the courtroom. My only job now is trying to protect our son. We're prisoners in our own home, acting like we're normal. We are normal. Oh my God, you think this is normal? We gotta get answers for ourselves. I know what you did! Lawyers have boundaries. I don't, not anymore. Remember that in their eyes, it isn't just Jacob who's guilty. You all are. Did you follow me here? This is damaging. This is evidence. You're scaring
1: him. Good, he should be scared. I'm scared.
0: So I have to know. I want the truth.
1: You be a good man, or you can be a good father. There was no normal to go back to. It was just before and after.
0: There's uh, J.K. Simmons coming in as a pinch hitter yet again. A little oh. bit part where he probably steals the show, does he? I,
1: I he's, he's too often going into these shows and appearing... Uh, I, yeah, I've He's becoming bit, Bill Murray, isn't he? I've, it's a bit weird. I can't handle it. I'm a bit like, oh, "J.K., get out of this. This is not your show, J.K. Stop, stop stealing the limelight." I, uh, yeah, he plays um, a character in this, but he's not in it massively. It's mostly about um, Chris Evans as Andrew Barber, and then his wife Laurie Barber, played by uh, Michelle Dockery, who I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with, but I think she was in Downton Abbey. Uh, yes, she was in Downton Abbey. I've just checked it. Um, and then also Jaden Martell, who uh, you might think looks familiar. He was in Knives Out. He was the sort of um, right, weedy son. Where th- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he That's was also fine, in It Part 1 um, as uh, the one, new of one. The, uh, one of the kids sort of fighting that scary clown. So those mm. make up the main three. Um, and as you were saying with Ted Lasso, the production values in this show are to the nines. It's absolutely uh, stunning to look at. Um, it's very cool sort of set in northwestern america and it and it feels very lavish it feels like a movie production but for over the course of 10 episodes or maybe 8 i can't quite remember um yes yes and uh <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is is i really enjoyed it it was a good sort of um, mystery it's based on a book uh, the same name and um i i really found myself getting hooked into the whole setup of these parents not really knowing whether or not their son is guilty or not and having to defend him. And it deals with the whole ostracized ostrac. What's the word, Laurie? Ostracization.
0: Yeah. You're on it. Yeah. Yeah. Ostracizing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ostracizing of them in the community and him going from being this sort of well-respected pillar of the community in charge of the police and investigations and holding people to justice to being this very kind of uh, isolated, claustrophobic sort of feeling where they can't leave the house
0: um, is, and... that, is that it? Um, I've got an immediate question, but do you want to keep going? No, you, you question away, my friend. Well, I'm just wondering because I I like the look of the trailer because I think it looks mysterious and uh, a, a bit more convoluted with maybe more twists and turns that you might expect. But if there's going to be a lot made of what you just described, how the family feel about, you know, the accusation and feeling claustrophobic, that's less appealing to me. No, I can just so... picture Chris Chris Evans saying, yeah, Fran, what does what he want to say, Fran? a PTA meeting or something, you know, and that doesn't, that doesn't appeal to me, but the mystery does. It's, uh,
1: so it's not, I think if you're watching it to kind of get like a, an answer type of show, it's not really that sort of show, Um, but it does, it paces itself pretty well. There's a slight slag, uh, maybe in sort of episode three or four, um, where you just think it is sort of getting too bogged down in the sort of reflections on their, their friends or talking to them anymore, that sort of thing. But I think, there's a there's a bizarre little twist at the end, which kind of spins it all, uh, which I didn't see coming, um, and and I thought was worth kind of justified the length of the show, um, but I I I would recommend it. The thing which is tricky is Chris Evans is such a good leading man, um, but he's so Captain America with his muscles and his <laughs> t-shirt that he's just like, hey, I'm just the dad, and this we're just a little family, and um, his wife. You just don't quite buy that Captain America be married to the the woman he's married to, and so why not? Because he's just, it's just, he's so clearly a movie star, sort of thing. (laughs) Um, it's not discredit to, um, uh, she looks like a movie star to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't misunderstand me, it's more his massive, bulging muscles, and he's meant to be a lawyer, sort of thing. Um, but he is the sort of, I do think he's well cast, but also can't help his literal. Sort of superheroness bursting through his clothes. That's interesting,
0: because um, I don't get the vibe that that is the man. Actually, could you remember his first superhero outing was not Captain America? Do you remember it was where the he'd Human Torch, and he was the yeah. Human Torch? But I, I, I
1: think he does that the same qualities he brought to Captain America's role, Steve Rogers. Uh, I think he brings here where he's he is somebody who's conflicted, and uh, he is somebody who is kind of good but struggle is struggling to be good. Um, and I think. I think that really plays out in its favour. I think he's a compelling lead that keeps you kind of hooked into the whole scenario. Um, credit as well to um, uh, Jaden Martell, who's playing Jacob, the the titular Jacob, uh, because the kid does creepy very well, I think. Um, oh, and creepy in a sense of, he's not really creepy, but he could be creepy. And yeah, if he yeah. could
0: be creepy, then maybe...
1: you know. And he spent he the whole time yeah, yeah. teetering. And that's hard to pull off in a show like this. I think... Um, Like a show like Broadchurch, where everyone's a suspect, this isn't that sort of show. But um, but similarly, you're constantly wondering and second guessing yourself, um, largely down to really good performances, great production value. Um, I would recommend it if you're wanting that sort of type show. I have to admit,
0: I'm thinking about Mr. Recap or whatever he's called already, but (laughs) or Wikipedia, uh... good old Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm just not always in the mood for a really oppressive kind of intense feeling like we just watched The Place Beyond the Pines, um, which we won't have time to talk about um in this episode. But that that's kind of similar in some ways. There's a kind of darkness and a gritty. It's not as it's or... not as heavy as that. It's not
1: as heavy as that. In fact is it I it not? think okay. it gives you the right tone. Um the music of the opening I think is wonderfully chosen. It gives you that sort of um tension but not it's not mired in darkness and shadow. Um, okay then. But it is that sort of underlying sort of tension. Um, also, completely incidental, and I'll wrap up here. But um, it's got a great little opening credit. It does that thing, which I don't know if you ever saw the show Dexter uh, about a serial I never
0: killer. watched it, but very familiar with it, yeah.
1: Yeah, the, the opening where they sort of take one thing, which is quite normal. He's making breakfast, but they make it into sort of other things. Similarly, they kind of do a similar sort of trick where... Um it was one moment that every time I watched it, I said, That's clever. Um <laughs> Ellie <laughs> Ellie, my wife, is like, you always say that every time. Ten episodes of me being like, That's clever. Um yeah. But it's uh, they sh- they opening the um uh the, the a knife blade, a kind of silhouette of a knife blade transitions to being like um the the, the crack of light from a door. Uh, I can't oh, nice. quite yeah. I can't quite express it, but it just is such a wonderfully
0: done um open okay. title. Okay. So
1: uh, there's like, there's some random thoughts on this show. Deferty,
0: Jacob. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think what you've said, especially when you take into the mix Boys State and Tet Lasso, Apple tea, it's just a very interesting curiosity. I was looking it up. It's a fiver a month. Like, considering you and I both got it for free because we recently got new phones, do you think, would you pay for it or not, based on these things? I
1: think um, it could be down the line. I think they're trying to, but I, I do think they have not done a good job of really hooking people in Um Properly is to, it the advertising that's missing? yeah I, I'm not sure people really know what it is. Probably it's won loads of awards. The morning show, Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston. Um, I think Ted Lasso hasn't been advertised at all in the UK. Um, I think in America it's more of a thing, um, but even then, I don't think it's it's the sort of level of attention. But the quality is there. I think that's something which I will say is there's some real quality well, in what they're trying to do. It might not necessarily always be the best programming that they produce. But I do think, um, yeah, there's some things for you to check out, especially if you've got a free account and you're looking for something to do. Well,
0: I'm just going to say, based on a very shallow um, internet search I just did, it looks like you can get a free trial and then it's a five a month if you want to. So maybe the kind of thing you dip into and out from, a bit like Now TV, mm. if there's a show that you're interested in. All right, Phil, that's called Defending Jacob, is it? Yep, Chris Evans, yep. All right. Okay, so we're going to try something a bit different here. I- I've got so many movies I could talk about, but none of them are sort of groundbreaking or that new i just have things i want to say about them that i've you know i watched them caught up on them um and we might and you've got some as well i think phil so we're kind of going to do a one after the other movie marathon and then halfway through we might take a break and do another thing and then if if there's any reason to we might come back to it um yes you can your i can air. i just
1: check how many how many films do we think we have because i don't know where halfway would be oh, that's a very good point. Got really two that i want to oh talk well about. two's
0: fine let's do okay let's do let's do one each then one each and then kids stuff and then uh one each again yeah yes shall i start then Let's um, do rock, paper, scissors. Okay, Can yeah, you? all right, okay. On three or after three? Oh, we, we've got a Zoom delay. It's not going to work. All
1: right. I'll come here, I'll be honest. Do okay. it. On three or three, after three?
0: Three, two, one. Yeah, scissors beats paper. How about that? <laughs> Although so I didn't annoying. really want to go first because I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> so, uh, you choose then. Which, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first, especially
1: if you've got one ready. I have got one ready. Um, I watched, uh, funnily enough, following on from that email from the vaccinator, I have been looking for rom-coms. Both uh, Ellie and I were thinking we need to watch a rom-com. We haven't watched one in ages. So we watched Ruby Sparks with Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan. I don't think Um, I have
0: ever heard of this. What? Ruby Sparks? Yes.
1: So it was, I think it came out. Let me think about it. uh, Slash look it up on the internet. Uh, 2012. So it came out ages ago. And I remember thinking maybe I should check it out um but uh it's only taken me until now to really do it uh funnily enough come in- interesting tidbits is written by zoe kazan who is the uh, titular ruby sparks yeah uh, and um it, paul dano plays a writer who uh, co- kind of wrote a book when he was young that people admire and think is fantastic he's the most amazing writer ever but he hasn't been able to write anything since um and or, or just struggles to follow up with anything meaningful he's terrified and anxious and he can't ever get to know anyone um because because he's he's worried that he just disappoints them as as the actual person um but he starts dreaming about this this girl and then he starts writing about this girl that he's been dreaming about in his head who is uh, Zoe Kazan, Ruby Sparks, and then lo and behold, she appears as if by magic oh, in his that's life, a bit weird. fully formed. And uh, then a like
0: a weird science or something.
1: Yeah, and so he writes this girl, and then the whole film is about him uh, being in love with something that he has written, and he realizes that in fact he could uh, he can write things and make her certain ways. Um, so he, if he writes that she can speak French, she speaks French. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's a sigh <laughs> from Laurie. Uh, why are you saying that? Why'd you say?
0: Oh, come on. I mean, like, if it's if it's funny, if it's funny and really genuinely entertaining, then I can see how it would be fun and worth a watch. But like, I already know how it's going to end. Don't I? I think I do. Like, are uh, mm, relationships about making the person who you think they should be? Or is it about embracing them as they are? Mm. <laughs> yeah okay so i, I wonder um, whether that could be the center of the film or not like the thing is you it's always happens i come across as the most cynical sarcastic man i'm not really because I, can, I i can love trash like monster trucks but i don't know i just oh it makes me feel tired already so, tell me i'm not please
1: my big problem with it, it funnily enough it's got a kind of minor role from antonio banderas Ooh, wow. uh, which is unexpected but he's quite fun in it he plays uh he the writer's new mum's boyfriend Who just loves life. But um, yeah, it is, it ends up being kind of like, you can see five steps ahead, how it's going to go. It's not funny. So I don't think it's... um...
0: Well, that's it. Death now. Call the coroner. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, I'm glad he did this as a buffet
1: one rather than an actual (laughs) one. But yeah, so I think I was disappointed. I fell asleep in the middle. Um, uh, Ellie was not happy with me because she was like, why did you make us watch this film? You're going to fall asleep. (laughs) She was very cross about that one. Um, but I wonder, I'm curious if other people have seen it and if you liked it, I would like to know why, what appealed to you. I think it, it leans too hard on the, the dramedy side of things, much more on the drama than the the, the medee. But um, what I found interesting about it is it's it kind of plays on the whole trope of the manic Twixie dream girl. Have you come oh, across this whole yeah, thing? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Zoe Deschanel um, is the famous sort of um, icon for that and it tends to be a male invention doesn't it that's one of the things that well exactly
1: and so i kind of thought oh this is quite interesting and it's written by uh the female star um and, uh, like this boy imagines the perfect woman um but it doesn't ever fulfill that sort of aspect i thought that was an interesting angle um and if they explored that whole idea of of you know the manic pixie dream girl then maybe it would be fantastic but yeah, I think it doesn't it doesn't reach the the lofty heights it could have done to make it worthwhile. Well, that's a so, yeah. shame
0: because it and it's an interesting project and I think it's the kind of thing where you could do a lot with it. But I don't know. Something about the way you introduced it made me think it, I I <laughs> doubt yeah. That was going to be the case. I so really like Paul Zane, a, though, but he do, he does some weird choices sometimes, doesn't
1: he? He's interesting. You have got to give him that. His yeah. uh, his sort of um pallid face as sort of like a monk. Um <laughs>
0: thumbs down. Okay, a thumbs, thumbs down from down. Phil. Ruby Sparks, tell us is Phil right or wrong? Plus one or minus one to him if you agree or disagree. You know, focus on what he said. Don't focus on what I say because I haven't seen it. <laughs> all right, I'm just doing the job <laughs> of a podcast guy where you make a chat happen in Chit-chat, a the top yeah. way. Exactly. Um, okay. Now I still haven't decided which film to talk about. Can I give you read you a, a few and I'll do them Yeah, really read quickly. me through
1: through some and I'll. Okay, so I have watched recently
0: me. Ronin which is kind of a, a crime action film with Robert De Niro and uh, what's his name? Jean Reno. Uh, Clue, which is the famous film based on Cluedo, um, char- starring Tim Curry. Uh, Galaxy Quest, of course, with Tim Allen. The Matrix. Howl's Moving Castle. Kiki's Delivery Service. Mabaroshi, which is a Japanese film and Our Little Sister, also like father, like son. Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Tomorrow Never Dies or The World's Not Enough. Wild Target. The Place Beyond the Pines. Some of in the Into the Night Serenity.
1: Yes. I'm going to choose uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World. The Lost World.
0: That's really interesting that that would pique your interest. Well, let me tell you, Phil, I watched this film and it led me to quite an interesting sort of reflective period because I remember as a child desperately wanting to watch Jurassic Park and being too young, or at least according to my parents being too young and then being blown away by it. And then because I was so sort of tough about it, I experienced the lost world in that context and remembered thinking, wow, it's like Jurassic Park, but with, with more dinosaurs and a worse thing. Cause the guy gets ripped in half by two T-Rexes, you know, I'm sure you kind of have that feeling, but it's very shadowy memories of the actual film. It's just those little scenes and a Hollywood literally, Hollywood moments. I I, clung
1: I, 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 my memory of Jurassic Park: Lost World was because we weren't allowed to watch Jurassic Park when we were younger. As, yes, as you said. Um, but occasionally Jurassic Park: The Lost World would start on ITV2 or whatever, and you watched exactly a little it. bit. Yes, and uh, and then there, my distinct memory is the tiny little dinosaurs like uh, shredding somebody up. Um, you know what? Oh
0: yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's right. That does the kind of you, mini Velociraptors. Com- Compsognathus. Um, yeah, they um, a guy goes for a wee and gets lost in the woods and then they track him down and eventually see to his end. But it's quite a drawn out process. Yeah, that's quite frightening when you're a child, actually. Um, it's the first time you've experienced the contrast. Like, Even though they're tiny, they were kind of horrifying and dangerous. You're right, Phil. Yeah, I remember that very well. But the, actually watching this film as an adult now is quite a different experience. And there are quite a few earth-shattering realisations that came to me, one of which I know will be contentious and hotly disputed. Why don't I start with that one? I don't think Jeff Goldblum is that good, actually. Um, I think in this film, it really reveals that he's just being Jeff Goldblum, and he is not the right choice to lead that film. In the book, the original Jurassic Park, that character dies. Um, It happens the same way, but he dies of his wounds. He doesn't survive. I'm almost
1: certain... Did Steven Spielberg direct the second one? He did, didn't he's, he? He's listed as the director, but it
0: doesn't look like he had an awful lot to do with it, I'll be oh, honest. Oh, really? That's really I wonder whether I, it must have been second unit it, for the most part. It's
1: just studio, I think, was saying we need to have somebody back from the last thing. Sam Neill is the uh, the he's heart of brilliant. Jurassic Park. His yeah. whole, whole thing is his... He loves the dinosaurs. It's his most amazing thing ever, and yet he realises what on earth have you done. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's there to be like kind of the the hero that gets stepped on that's the whole point he's well no and he's cold
0: the whole point is that while um i forgot the guy's name sam neill's character um is a scientist actually his heart is really invested in this and he has a deep concern and respect and reverence for the history and these creatures whereas ian malcolm sees everything from a mathematical point of view and chaos that's the whole point he's got philosophical ideas and he believes in the awesome power of nature but he doesn't see the kind of I was about to say humanity, but the personality of it. Um, and so he's a good counterpoint in that case. And so in this film, he's got a daughter that he brings along or accidentally kind of tricks him into coming along with him. And he's got a sort of complicated relationship issues. And he is the kind of emotional heart of the film. And it makes no sense. Like it's mm. his sort of conflict with Julianne Moore. Um, it's I can't believe it's Julianne Moore of all people as well. Yeah. And she's too good an actor to be doing this. And it's just the whole film feels like it's um kind of cut scenes from the first one like the opening is one of the worst weirdest opening settings i can imagine there's a scene where jeff goldblum goes to see john hammond who's just in bed the entire scene um and they have a really odd conversation it really ruins the kind of atmosphere and mystery of the first jurassic park and then there isn't really a story to speak of they are just linking together dinosaur crises um, I like just want to get the dinosaur. Themes. Basically, I feel
1: like the whole movie was to get a, a dinosaur into New York. Or well, whatever. that's
0: right. And then actually, Judith and I were watching it together and we didn't even get there. We got bored with it and we started falling asleep, turned it off and said, we finish it the next day. Then we didn't finish it the next day because actually the spectacle of seeing a T-Rex in someone's back garden... It was rubbish like the last film to do that was transformers wasn't it with um optimus prime and co kind of walking around a, a back garden and a dog and it, it's just not exciting anymore it's it's so of its time i was actually quite depressed to realize it and that led me to this period of reflection where i was on imdb reading reviews that were written at the time uh in the late 90s which i actually really recommend you doing um because it turns out i i actually think this uh the expectations of audiences have declined rapidly um, over the last 20-30 years based on Litmus Test The Lost World because if you log in, in fact I'm going to do it right now Phil live, uh, maybe I should show you my screen for this but Jurassic Park The Lost World just let me typing I'm gonna click 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 uh, oh no we don't want Wikipedia IMDB just clicking Phil this page is just loading All right, I'm clicking on the IMDB rating which is only 6.6 out of 10 user reviews sorts by review date <laughs> you're you're using this as educational tool for those (laughs) listeners who
1: want to do this activity here we go
0: 3rd of August 1998 first review 3 stars out of 10 deja vu all over again so forgive me user fever I'm going to use your review which has got 0 out of 9 found as helpful what can we say (laughs) they say but seen it This tired film is full of useless characters, repeat scenes and directing mistakes the size of Texas. The original Jurassic Park was actually quite frightening in parts. But once you've seen the T-Rex screech and eat people, it gets old really fast. Plus, what is the deal with the T-Rex waltzing through the suburbs? The first flick made a definite statement about the T-Rex approaching. Now the T-Rex can wander through suburbia in the middle of the night without a single person hearing him? Whatever. Plus, (laughs) Ian Malcolm's daughter had to be the worst excuse for a new sequel character. Please, do your brain a favour and just watch the original. That guy is right. And it, it's really interesting <laughs> to me to see how many people who watched it in theatres at the time who were not children like us called it exactly as they saw it and realised that it was no good. Even though, you know, you go all the way back there, you would expect the kind of spectacle of dinosaurs and CGI effects to be convincing people. We've kind of become trained to think that that was amazing back then. and But actually, no. I think all uh, the cinema audiences wanted more out of their films special effects. That's that's my period of reflection, Phil. So yeah, thumbs down from me, Jurassic Park Well.
1: I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there who is absolutely disheartened to hear your scathing remarks. Well, and I was disheartened. To get your, if you want to do Dave, Dave Benson Phillips, get your own back at Laurie, uh, then uh, you can email film at com and uh, give Laurie a minus one and uh, to explain your reasons why. Check this um, out. There you go. There's our quick Here's another there. one.
0: One star out of ten. <laughs> 16th August, 1998. I love this. Amigard says, How good the original was? So bad is this one. This movie is made by someone who wanted to make extra cash out of the hype, which was quite original for the first one and good indeed. But this movie doesn't give that bit extra. To be honest, very overdone. Please don't make a third Jurassic Park or else it will go the same way as Jaws. Well, poor Amigard. If I could go back in time. It's, it's,
1: <laughs> it's quite apt, isn't it? Because um, it what was the thing is like, you didn't worry about whether or not you should. You just thought you could. And so you did it. Whatever. That's exactly it. And lo and behold, the sequels of Jurassic Park, they have become what they had created.
0: Oh, exactly, Phil. Well done. Well said. Uh, all right, let's move on. Okay. Now, listeners, if you're a podcast diehard fan, which I'm sure you are, <laughs> then you may well remember that we had discussed the idea. Phil was wanting me to give him recommendations for kids shows because uh your son i take it for this getting to the age where he's starting to sit down and enjoy this stuff and you at home with him every now and again you need to sit down with a cup of tea watch some tv with him and you want to watch something that you might enjoy but also that won't kind of rot his developing brain with its uh irritating rubbishiness because there is a lot of rubbish kids tv out there am mm. i right about that is that about the size mm. of it well, let mm, me yeah. l- let me tell you straight away, uh, kind of regardless of that subject, I have on my list a TV cartoon called Zig and Sharko that I wanted to talk to you about, um, which is on Netflix. And I didn't come across it. I'm not even sure my wife came across it, but our kids were certainly watching it one day. Um, <laughs> I hope one of us chose it for them. I like, that's problematic. Um, but it's really woken me up um, to the joy of uh, kids' TV shows again, and kind of shown me how much more artistry and creativity and direction it takes to do it well. Because Zig and Sharko is a French programme by Xilam, X-I-L-A-M. And Sharko is kind of a beef, beefcake shark. He's a bit of a goon. And he has a longtime friend who's a mermaid called Marina, and he kind of loves her as well, you know, shark and a mermaid. But he obviously doesn't tell her that he loves her. It's a friendship, but he would like it to be more. And there's a little hyena called Zig, Um, they all inhabit this island and every single episode revolves around the hyena, Zig, attempting to eat the mermaid um, and Sharko trying to stop Zig eating the mermaid. It's quite hard to explain. Um, That sounds nuts. It it is kind of nuts. But what I love about this show is it's old school kind of slapstick but the creativity they use uh, for each episode never ceases to amaze. They're quite playful with the relationship so all the things I describe the scenarios, obviously they're not that serious and they kind of cut in and out. So on one day, Sharko and Zig might actually be friends in a way, despite the fact that he's trying to eat a mermaid, you know how it goes. Um, But Mm. I wrote down just a couple of things I was watching. There's one episode where they're on a cruise ship and Zig and Sharko get locked in the freezer where they instantly sort of turn into blocks of ice. And the whole episode becomes like a survival thing where they're trying to survive in this freezer by eating tins of food. And there's a scene where they're fishing in one of those big ice boxes and lifting out tins of beans and stuff. Um, But then at a certain point, it becomes a fight. And it was just like, it was just every single other minute of the show was them thinking of a new way to use the fact that they're in a freezer to turn it into like a a battle moment. So at one point, Charcot sticks his hand in water and it emerges encased in a massive block of ice, which he then uses to beat um, the hyena with. And then at another point, um, he pulls out a nose hair to force himself to cry so that he can then fire his tears like bullets uh, because they freeze as soon as they come out of his eye. And then another point, they both start crying loads and creating ice sculptures, which then battle each other. And this just sounds stupid, but can you imagine sitting in the writer's room and saying, how about um, we use their tears to create machine guns and ice unicorns for battles? And I think if you're at all interested in sort of minimalist uh, writing, I think it's such a good example of how creative and funny people can be and in such unexpected ways I, I thought it was I think it's really good There's even uh, just a moment where Zig slides between the shark's legs to escape for no reason at all the artists have decided to in, uh, really emphasize the shark's bum <laughs> it's really round bum and there's no need to do it other than that it kind of sets the scene in a more comedic way I don't know how to explain it so, so, I, um, so let I me just round it. this up is this, is this more a recommendation for yourself
1: or for your children?
0: No, no, my kids love it. They were just they were laughing their heads off. Like, and it's that proper sort of giggle that kids get when they're just losing it with joy because they think it's so funny and unexpected. And the times when I've sat down and watched it with them, I've been genuinely impressed by how clever it is, which makes me think, Phil, to come back to the original topic, kids might be more discerning than you think, although my kids do enjoy the new series of The Magic School Bus, which I love. <laughs> i've seen a bit of that i put it on to you, well, my class. you're a teacher aren't you? during, yeah. uh, during a wet break <laughs> i was like this is a, this isn't the magic school bus no who's this new girl well it's kate mckinnon It's the new um the new teacher but there's something about it that creeps me out that new show anyway phil i've rambled at you anything you want to add um well yeah i
1: just uh i i think um it is that horrible balance of trying to make something find something that you can tolerate uh that they, they love as well yeah um which isn't isn't so narrative dependent that they need to be fully engaged the whole time. Yes. I think that's the other thing. Um, you well, want I, to I've the old, dip in and out,
0: don't you, and play with I,
1: blocks I, I, or whatever? I used to go to Hey Dougie. That was my go-to yeah, from many. being babysitting yeah. at your house and things like that with your children. And uh, but I can't I can't stand Hey Dougie now. Really, it's, it's like it's got under my skin and my soul in a, a way that I can't. What it turns just, you
0: What turns you off of it out of interest?
1: Roly. Who just is loud and obnoxious, and I don't understand why that's just because you're a show. teacher, isn't it? This is, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is your life. Creeping it's in. because his whole gag is he just shouts and he says yellow, and it's like I can't, I can't deal with that. And then the other thing that bothered me is that uh, probably the opposite of what you were saying is the writing has just gone crazy because. It started off with the sort of the shoe shine badge, and yeah, the yeah, kind of yeah. shine shoes and the painting badge, and then the, the when, child <laughs> labor badge, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's <laughs> yeah,
1: right, yeah. it's the political civil rights badge, <laughs> and it's like and it genuinely, it's like that it's the future badge, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's too much, like you jump the shark, there probably is a jumping the shark badge um yeah. and and it just made me sad to think that it basically is about a show. it's just a nice, happy show about being kids, and they've made it into sort of almost too knowing. It's uh, become that way. Watching. I think
0: it's very popular in a certain subset in the UK. It will be, I would describe it as quite a middle-class cartoon. Um, yeah. Unless yeah. that sounds too snooty a thing to say. I think it does. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, like there are some really good episodes of Dougie <laughs> which are very quiet. And um, I, the thing I liked about Dougie to begin with was there's a lot of peace in it. There's a lot of silence mm. and people just lying around and enjoying being outside. And that means, especially as a parent, it's not in your face all the time. It's not loud and kind of annoying.
1: Hence why Roly just bothers me so right. much. Yeah. He's ruining the peace and quiet. Sorry about that, Phil.
0: Wait, you, so you after to recommendations from me for kids shows that are okay? Sort
1: of. I think I'll check out the kids' sharky thing. Uh, incidentally... On that note, because my son is quite young and it is more like he just likes the pretty colours and things like that. Mm. And so I'd go for something quite neutral. I've been watching a lot of Kim Possible. Oh, right. Um, yeah. You know- <laughs> That's back <laughs> in the Plus. day for us, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a good show. It's uh, That's a bit old for him though, isn't it? Well, it's not, again, it's not really about, um, it's not really about him following stuff. Okay. He's, he's, it's more like, Just something that he will enjoy for the time he watches it and then he goes off. You should
0: try a good one for that. Sorry, this is becoming parenting talk now. I put on films when I want that to be the case because what I like about a film is there's one narrative with a clear and defined ending. And Netflix doesn't, you know, encourage you to continue watching. And if your child sort of can't concentrate for that length of time, then they just wander off because they recognize that it's the same thing that they're not interested in. Um, but stuff like My Neighbor Totoro, for example, is brilliant. It's really wonderful for kids, and it's a lovely film. My kids' favourite film now, for some reason, they always request it and sing the songs. My daughter's come up with new words, the theme song, all that sort of stuff, <laughs> um, and it's really nice. That's a really nice one to watch as parents as well. I've actually got a must see or a picture-perfect that I want to do from Totoro, and there's some good feels in it. Um, but I think like there's... Um, there's uh, that I, I think I would be tempted to, the thing is, for, you, you can't help getting into actual thoughts on life and issues with a topic like this, because I am someone, I think, you know, who likes things to be straightforward. And the thing I don't like about uh, the magic school bus and, the, and even a bit, hey, Dougie, um, is the educational element. Um, I don't know why it switches me off or pushes my buttons, but I tend to prefer things that are out and out, either commercial Like buy this toy, (laughs) buy this toy for your child or um, just straight up kind of fiction, you know, like Taz. Remember the Tasmanian Devil show or um, Roadrunner? Roadrunner is brilliant. You can get compilation clips on YouTube and my kids love it. Um, They they think the coyote is really funny, Um, just the way that he runs and that kind of thing. Uh, And so I gravitate towards things that are more like Sonic Boom. And uh, Which is quite fun to watch, <laughs> Buy actually. this toy. It's quite, is it's, it's quite a smart show in some ways. It's funnier than you think it is. Quite clever. So grown-ups might enjoy the puns and things. But I think when I put it on, what I know is that my kids aren't kind of getting a lesson because um, I don't want them to have lessons unless they're having a lesson. That's kind of my overwhelming feeling. Oh, well, that's um, quite a deep philosophical sort of parenting. Yeah, well, this there. is why I said that's why the problem. That's we've opened the can of worms. I, it's here. gone way deeper than I thought
1: it was going to be. I, I do I think about sort of this thinking, stuff a lot. I was I was always more sort of like, <laughs> which which TV shows could you tolerate? Also, Pokemon, um, <laughs> Pokemon, uh, the original series and Sun and Moon. That's got loads of lessons. That's like, don't yeah, bully but it's Pikachu not to evolve. Yeah, but it's you not.
0: Know? It's that's not why they've made it, is it? They made it because they want the kids to buy Pokemon toys. Um, they're not making it because they want the kids to kind of... The morals about buying this toy. <laughs> absorb the world for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, and Pokemon Sun and Moon's great. It's got a really nice um, Scar-style theme song um, that I enjoy singing along to, making up words to in a very pathetic dad joke kind of way. But it's just like set in a beautiful sunny beach. And I'm fine with that being on the screen. And it feels a bit like a holiday. There you go. Any good tips there? Octonauts There's is some good.
1: interesting... Some interesting thoughts and uh, suggestions there. <laughs> listeners. I'm curious if you have any suggestions for good kid shows that don't make you want to tear your hair out, mm. uh, especially the ones which have longevity to them. Long. My kids also
0: uh, love Lego Jurassic World, um, and uh, <laughs> okay. they really love that. Again, it's a buy stuff show. I and... feel like I've inadvertently <laughs> struck like content gold for Laurie here. Well, You've got so many thoughts. I don't have much more to say. I've got too many thoughts is the thing, not too many jokes. apologise for that. Um, well yeah let us know because everyone's got strong opinions about this you might as well tell us your thoughts Film at gmail.com at Film. yeah do get in touch all right back in business with the end of our movie marathon having called it a marathon four films (laughs) that probably (laughs) is just a different vibe different vibe just stick with it man all right okay do you want to start again or shall
1: I do another one uh I I've I'm going to start this time and then we're going to do the roulette whale spin and I'm going to pick one of yours. All right. To well, I think off. I
0: want to do Serenity this
1: time. So, yeah. Oh, but yeah, you... that was the, that was going to be the one I was going, going well, to so go for. Well, there we go. winner. What you got. I've won. Uh so my uh, last film that I'm going to talk about is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, yeah, uh, right. Gary Oldman in makeup, right? Yes, Gary Oldman, not makeup, just Gary Oldman. Is it um, okay? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, John le Carré, uh his very famous novel Gary Oldman plays uh, Smiley, who is uh, discharged from the circus, and in the process he realizes and that there is perhaps a mole at the top of his uh, sort of MI five six inspired agency, and he needs to try and root it out. Uh, it's uh, critically well regarded. I watched it uh, in the cinemas when it first came out, and I haven't watched it since, partly because I was like, it's quite quiet. That was my mm. kind of overriding like, oh, I loved it for that. For it. I loved it, but I massively enjoyed. Um, I watched it in quite an unorthodox way where I, I read a paragraph on Wikipedia about the plot, then watched that bit, then read the next paragraph, then watched that bit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I could definitely follow what was going on because it's not like there's massive revelations. I think when I first watched it, I followed the main plot and I worked out the kind of big main brushstrokes of the plot but I didn't quite realise the subtlety involved um, and the kind of connections because it has its own terminology and things like that. But I have to say, Gary Oldman genuinely deserves some credit for that performance in a way that I have been very reluctant to give him credit for <laughs> you 're not an old man uh, fan are you i'm not an old man fan no. uh, <laughs> i i i don't get it, but in this one, I really thought his restraint is the winning uh move, the ace in the hole that makes him stand out in a in a in a way that is very unique. I think it's a very unique spy um story and genre piece because it i mean john Carre. i was reading up about it he wrote it as a kind of antidote to james bond having been in the sort of secret service himself and you can so see this originally the character is meant to be like this balding slightly pathetic but very cunning and manipulative mm. um and i think gary oldman judges it really really carefully he never like shouts he never really does anything the kind of high point of drama through the entire film I would argue is uh, watching Benedict Cumberbatch try and photocopy a document. Uh, That's and true, take yes, it out, yeah. Out of the building. He's good but, in that
0: as well because he's not he's not really the star of the show. I I prefer him when he's a piece, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, in a larger film. Yeah, well said. and he
1: does he does a good job. I really, really think, good, I really think that good is the uh, the uh, the height of the film. But also I think the other thing which is really to the film's credit is how it's shot makes it meaningful because it isn't about running and jumping and guns and explosions. Instead, it's about the implications and the, the heavy weight of the idea of somebody be de- deceiving you machinations film to use your favorite word. And the cinematography gets that across the shot selection is the way they do that
0: because it Gary Oldman barely says anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're really struggling with a cop film. Phil. <laughs> Let me take over the thought as you cop away. Um, one of the things I really remember from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which now makes me doubt that it's actually in this film, it's got a good performance from Colin Firth and Mark Strong, I seem to remember. Um, But also Tom Hardy, who I think was my favorite part of that film. And this is probably a John le Carré thing more than Tom Hardy in this case, based on what you said about him wanting to do the anti-James Bond, because the depiction there of field agent Um, is really unglamorous and miserable. And Tom Hardy's existence is just awful. Like he's there in the field having to be tough and being in danger all the time. And actually these people in the boardrooms, which are incredibly quiet and sealed and safe, they're just telling him what to do. And his world and their world could not be more different. And it makes you think that actually these people who might get selected for that kind of job would not be the tuxedo-wearing, martini-drinking, James Bonds, but actually the antisocial... Um, kind of miserable and brutal people who get the job done no matter what, like the way that Tom Hardy plays him. I don't know whether you agreed with me on that one, but I thought he—he's the whole sort of construction of that side of the film was really pretty good. Yeah, I agree. And this is a completely incidental
1: thing, but it's the last thing I'm going to say about this film. I really think Tom Hardy in this film is why the, after this film came out, maybe about six months later, suddenly everyone had the like, the wool collar. Yeah, 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 jackets. yeah. I know exactly and what I you're talking about. it is entirely because of this film. No, surely I, not. Not I, enough people I saw I it. Think so. <laughs> I think so. Seventies inspired I, lamb. People are like, form. oh, Tom Hardy's cool. Look <laughs> at him in his cool lamb's you wool jacket. You have that jacket, thing. don't you? Yes, <laughs> I, I do, do It's <laughs> a <of> Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go.
0: That's funny. Uh, it's sort of an Air Force one as well, isn't it? Isn't it it's kind of the RF pilot? Yeah, but I think that came out, that film came out. And look at look at the trajectory of them. They're stock when He's quite cool in that, even though he's a horrible character. And there's Right, there's, we um, need to... I know, we need to wrap Let's move up. on, let's move on. I want to say there's a film, The Taylor of Panama with Pierce Brosnan. They got Pierce Brosnan to play the anti-bond in a very similar way as well. That's quite an interesting film. Um, Serenity, I won't spend very long talking about it. Um, I'll say the reason I wanted to watch this was when I signed into Netflix, it suddenly appeared as trending now in the UK. And I remember having watched it years and years ago, a bit like Lost World, but I only had shadowy memories of it rather than a real impression. And it continues to be, alongside Firefly, one of the most talked up kind of... Uh, cult pieces of filmmaking out there. For some reason it still remains talked about in that way and Firefly in particular is hallowed as this amazing sci-fi series that never got a fair run because it was cancelled after 14 episodes or something like that. Um, Quite an interesting cast, some of whom made it slightly big afterwards but fewer than you might think. Alan Tudyk is probably the biggest name in there now Um, but I (sighs) one of the tricky things right now and I suppose this makes it interesting but in a sad way is of course Joss Whedon continues to be talked about and headlines keep being written about him and there's a lot of doubt about uh, his sort of conduct uh, in this world and he is the writer director he's all over this film and it's it's kind of is <clears throat> a lot of people say it's interesting It's kind of sad reading older reviews where none of the scandals have been brought to light or none of the allegations anyway Um people saying oh it just shows how wonderful Joss Whedon is and how great his work on um, the avengers was and now you've even got the Zack snyder cut of justice league where people are basically saying turns out if you're willing to watch three hours of superhero Zack snyder's film really was better than joss whedon's slightly shallow comic booky take on it all or comedic take um and what i want to say about serenity is it was slightly better than i remembered it being when i watched it the first time years ago i wasn't very impressed i didn't see what the fuss was about it is pretty efficient i actually think the direction is pretty strong um, because despite what i would say is a very modest budget based on what you can see it doesn't feel like they're cutting corners for the most part the camera work makes use of the effects available to the production to make everything feel lived in and engaging and realistic except for some slightly pathetic planets like there's a planet which is basically just a buddhist or temple um and that's all they do with it and um, mm. but on the whole i was fairly impressed at the pace the story maintains. Um, But some of the writing is just atrocious, like the attempts to write kind of cowboy-esque, bantery space dialogue, um, and especially the performance and the characterization of of two of the main characters, uh, that is Jewel State playing Kaylee and Adam Baldwin playing Jane, are painful to watch. They're so dated, it will remind you what sort of early 2000s, late 90s uh, sci-fi series were like. Um, Nathan Fillion, he's sort of done okay, hasn't he? He plays the main guy, Mal. He's fine. Gina Torres playing Zoe, she's pretty good as well. And then Chuitel Edge of um, is basically a sort of mild-mannered assassin. I, I just think it's an interesting timepiece. And what I would what I would say is it's totally fine to watch it and think, well, this is really average, but it's also totally fine to see the things in it that are quite well done. There's a lot done with not very much. Um, yeah. I, I kind of don't really have anything more to say. But than that, I, I wonder what your thoughts were on Serenity. I, I think it's a straight down the middle. It's okay. I think
1: Serenity with uh, and Firefly, the thing which stood out always is the potential for this world. The idea of a kind of space Civil War show um, is, is very much in line with Star Wars in general, the whole Western. Um, but the idea of a Civil War, yeah, I think that is what what sells the whole show. That's what appeals to... The fans of this show, and I think it's a shame that they that didn't get fully seen and it was cut short. Uh, I think Serenity was this idea. The idea of it was to try and um, wrap up that show and satisfy fans. Um, But I remember watching and thinking it was it was very watchable. But I don't think you can really say that even with Serenity kind of capping off
0: Firefly, it really got its
1: legs in running into it. No, um, people like but... an
0: underdog. And I think this film delivered it. And it, I think they they did have the promise of an atmosphere, like a nice world to visit um, on a kind of weekly basis. And everyone likes the Han Solo-y roguish character who's just totally. making it work. It's the kind of um, the dream that doesn't exist of a ragtag crew uh, operating just on the fr- the fringes of the law as opposed to, you know, in direct contradiction with it. Um, who kind of make their own rules and have good camaraderie. I can see why people really warm to that. What it makes me think most of all, it reminds me of um, sort of role play games, the old school ones, a bit like Dungeons and Dragons, but the space version, um, because yeah. the character tropes are so defined. And I really, it really annoys me actually how poor, I think I'm sorry to say, is Jules State as Kaylee, almost single-handedly ruins the film. So I, I watched that again. Her, her it is a, It's a genuinely poor performance and i'm i'm sure she would be capable of delivering it better i think she's terribly written and she delivers it aw- awfully it really made me cringe the whole way through one particular line if there aren't if it isn't a meme on the internet and ridiculed regularly then the internet is not being used to its full potential because it's just grim, especially What's... considering what, you know, comes out about Joss Whedon at the moment. I, can't, I, don't, want to go, I don't want to go into any detail, but um, it stand, stood out to me as just being absolutely awful. Um, happy, happy days. So Serenity, I can't fully give it a thumbs down because I was impressed by some of the efficiency of it. So it's a kind of middle thumb for me. Um, your one, what was it again? It was uh, Tinkinsator Soldier Spy. That's a thumbs up for me as well. Definitely. And then what are the two again? I've already forgotten Lost World definite thumbs down and your film was Uh, Ruby Sparks which was a thumbs down also a thumbs down okay well we'll keep going because there's a lot more films to cover off Uh, if there's anything you want us to do a brief review of as opposed to a deep dive love to get those as well send in your thoughts you could even do one of these mini reviews yourself give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down Flixandfilm at gmail.com at flicksandfilm on twitter Okay, now, sorry to break the fourth wall here, but we wrap up the podcast quite quickly because my wife (laughs) needs to do a work meeting. uh, And that's just how it goes. We always try and squeeze the podcast into the few free hours in the week um, and we're running out of those. But thank you very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, uh, Get your emails in and we'll do more like we did at the beginning. Um, Send your thoughts in flixandfilm at gmail.com at flixandfilm on Twitter. Do give us your tips, what you want us to watch.
1: Yes, and apologies. We didn't get
0: to uh, my rabbit hole Or, and we
1: didn't get to something else, the audiobook that I was potentially going to talk about. Or Mass Effect 3
0: Legendary Edition, Mass Effect, yeah. It
1: all stays in our notepads of uh, ideas and things. And we do come back to eventually, as proven by the start of this episode, it was very much tying up those loose threads. So we will tie up these threads that we've opened again.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. And I'll say what we haven't really been saying, which we should do. You're supposed to do this as podcast people. Do share this with your friends as well. Please send it their way um, if they'd enjoy a kind of, what I hope comes across as a good natured chat about uh, films and Netflix and all that sort of stuff. It'd be lovely to get a nice sort of buzzy community of flicks and filmers uh, listening and giving us their thoughts. So do tell people about it. And if you haven't done so, I know there's a million and one ways to listen now, but um, if you can give us a rating or a review or something, that's always really appreciated too. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. All right. Have a lovely week. Bye. Not even time for a bonus, is there? Should I tell you no. what? Let me, let, let me just have a quick look at my notepad because I still am making all these notes. I don't have time. There's a game here called What's in the Sock that I was going to tell you about. <laughs> yes. I think everything um, I
1: found need to know is in that title. So.
0: Yeah, you might be right. Okay. Bye, listeners. Bye.